If you're enjoying this Crush Step 1 podcast, you can now get the content along with the content of the Med Prep to Go Step 1 Questions podcast ad-free in one bundle. Just go to medpreptogo.com and find our new subscription podcast called the Med Prep to Go Step 1 Bundle. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Ted O'Connell, one of the authors of Crush Step 1, the ultimate USMLE Step 1 review, along with my co-authors, Ryan Pedigo and Thomas Blair. I am also the chief content officer for Inside the Boards. This is a Crush Step 1 podcast based on the second edition of our best-selling book. The goal is to provide you high-yield and high-quality audio content of the book to help you study on the go and reclaim some of the time in your day. Hey everyone, my name is Mimi Ackley. I'm a third-year medical student at Emory University School of Medicine in Atlanta, Georgia, and I have an interest in pediatrics and public health. I will be narrating Chapter 5, Microbiology, of Crush Step 1, Second Edition. In Part 1 of the chapter, we'll be discussing bacteria. Let's start by talking about bacterial structure. The gram stain is used to tell whether a bacterium is gram-negative or gram-positive. To understand the gram stain, you must understand the structure of bacteria. All bacteria have a peptidoglycan cell wall. In gram-positive bacteria, it is thick, whereas in gram-negative bacteria, it is thin. Importantly, gram-negative bacteria have an additional membrane outside the cell wall consisting mainly of the lipopolysaccharide, or LPS. It is this LPS layer that prevents the blue dye applied during a gram stain from being trapped inside the cell wall, unlike gram-positive bacteria, which take up the blue dye. The process of gram staining consists of applying the blue or crystal violet dye, washing away the excess with alcohol, then applying a red or safranin counterstain, which will adhere to anything not already stained by the blue dye, that is, gram-negative bacteria. Hence, gram-positive bacteria appear blue, and gram-negative bacteria appear red. Besides being important for gram-staining, the LPS layer of gram-negative bacteria can activate a cytokine-mediated immune response in a host, one of the major causes of septic shock. Specifically, the component of LPS called lipid A is an endotoxin, endo because it is found on the innermost portion of the LPS membrane. When our immune system lyses these bacteria in the blood, lipid A activates the cytokine cascade. Gram-positive bacteria and fungi can also cause septic shock. 
Importantly, the peptidoglycan cell wall consists of glycoproteins covalently bonded together by the enzyme transpeptidase, also called penicillin binding protein, because it is the enzyme inhibited by penicillin. Bacterial shape is also important for distinguishing among the various species. They can be cocci, spherical, bacilli, rods, coxobacilli, short rods, spiral, comma-shaped, S-shaped, or spiral-shaped, or pleomorphic, lacking a characteristic shape and thus varying in shape. Metabolic characteristics also help to distinguish the various species. Oxygen can be toxic through the formation of superoxide radicals, and only bacteria containing enzymes to break these down, which are catalase, peroxidase, or superoxide dismutase, can survive in oxygen. Obligate anaerobes require oxygen to survive. Facultative anaerobes prefer oxygen but can live without it through fermentation. Microaerophilic bacteria can tolerate low amounts of oxygen but prefer to ferment their energy. And obligate anaerobes cannot live in the presence of oxygen. Finally, there is a category of bacteria that are obligate intracellular organisms. These bacteria cannot make their own adenosine triphosphate, or ATP, and must rely on the host cell metabolism for survival. These bacteria only live within other cells, providing us with challenges for detection and treatment. Facultative intracellular organisms don't lead to live in cells, but have the ability to survive and replicate in macrophages after being phagocytosed, because of enzymes protecting them against superoxide radical digestion. These organisms are Listeria monocytogenes, Salmonella typhi, Yersinia, Francisella tularensis, Brucella, Legionella, and Mycobacterium. Some bacterial structures are important to know about. Flagella are used for movement and come in a variety of shapes. Capsules are an additional protective sugar layer around some bacteria. Bacillus anthracis is the only bacterium with an amino acid capsule. The capsules aid in immune evasion, and encapsulated bugs are particularly dangerous in individuals without working spleens, for example those with sickle cell disease, because that is where most phagocytosis of opsonized encapsulated bugs occurs. Opsonization is when a bacterium coated with antibodies and therefore marked for phagocytosis and destruction. Opsonization is when a bacterium is coated with antibodies and therefore is marked for phagocytosis and destruction. To detect an encapsulated bug, one must use either the India ink stain or the quelling reaction, in which antibodies that bind to capsules are used to appreciate a swelling of the capsule under the microscope. Spores are found in a few species of bacteria and are a protective form of bacteria that allow them to survive harsh conditions until a host is found. Biofilms are similar to capsules in that they are made of a lattice of polysaccharides, in this case allowing groups of bacteria to bind to prosthetic devices. Staph epidermidis is notorious for doing this. Toxins are an important part of the disease-causing mechanisms of many bacteria. We can divide toxins into the organ system they infect, for example, neurotoxins and enterotoxins. Where they are found in the bacteria, for example, exotoxins are released by all gram-positive bacteria except listeria, which releases an endotoxin. And endotoxins such as lipid A, which was previously discussed. 
We can also divide them into the effects they cause. For example, pyrogenic exotoxins cause fever, and tissue-invasive exotoxins allow bacteria to tunnel through tissue, and miscellaneous exotoxins do various things tailored for certain bacteria. Let's talk about the organization of the rest of this section of the book. The information is presented as follows. Gram-positive cocci followed by gram-negative cocci, then the gram-positive and negative rods, enteric rods and non-enteric rods, followed by gram-positive branching filamentous bacteria, gram-negative pleomorphic bacteria, gram-negative spirals, gram-positive acid-fast bacteria, and finally, gram-positive bacteria with no cell wall. Let's start by talking about gram-positive cocci. Staphylococcus, or staph species, tend to form grape-like clusters. In the lab, they can be distinguished from streptococcus species by their formation of catalase. All staphylococcus species produce catalase, whereas strep species do not. Staph are subdivided into coagulase-producing and coagulase-negative. Staph aureus is coagulase-producing, whereas staph epidermidis and saprophyticus are coagulase-negative. Staph aureus is found on most surfaces, inhabiting the anterior nares of about 30% of individuals at any given time, good reason not to pick your nose, with higher rates among the ill and hospital personnel. Spread occurs through contact and is reduced by hand washing. Staph aureus is the most virulent staph species in humans and can survive extreme conditions for long periods. A variety of surface adhesion proteins contribute to its virulence. Coagulase activates prothrombin, creating a fibrin shield unique to Staph aureus. Protein A binds the constant region of immunoglobulin, which protects from opsonization and phagocytosis. Lipase, protease, and hyaluronidase help Staph aureus digest through connective tissue. Staph aureus causes a variety of diseases, from self-limited skin infections to toxin-mediated food poisoning or Staph-scalded skin syndrome, to osteomyelitis and endocarditis, to life-threatening bacteremia in IV drug users and those with indwelling catheters. See tables 5.1 and 5.2. A typical infection starts with colonization of the nares, anus, and or skin. Local invasion of skin usually leads to a furuncle or other skin abscess as neutrophils come to the infectious site. Bacteria may then go on to directly invade other organs through lymphatics or blood, and or produce one of several potential toxins, which are then disseminated throughout the body. Diagnosis of Staph aureus is by culture on blood agar. Colonies appear white with a golden pigment and have a clear halo as a result of hemolysis of red blood cells by hemolysins. A quicker test is to assess for coagulase. By observing whether the bacteria form clots when incubated in serum, this is the basis of the slide clumping test. Most staph species produce penicillinase and are resistant to penicillin. Most staph species produce penicillinase and are resistant to penicillin. Some staph aureus strains have developed resistance to antibiotics that can bypass penicillinase, methicillin, nafcillin, and cephalosporins. These strains are now called MRSA, methicillin-resistant staph aureus, which is a misnomer because they are resistant to many other antibiotics as well. MRSA strains have acquired the MEK-A gene, which codes for 
penicillin binding protein 2A. This protein can cross-link peptidoglycan when transpeptidase is inhibited. See Introduction to Bacterial Structure at the beginning of this chapter. Today, up to 70% of Staph aureus is methicillin-resistant and is found in hospitals as well as the community. In the case of life-threatening MRSA infection, Vancomycin, sometimes combined with an aminoglycoside such as gentamicin or rifampin, is first-line treatment. Some newer antibiotics, such as linazolid and daptomycin, can treat serious MRSA infections, but these tend to be more expensive and are reserved for patients with intolerance to vancomycin. Penicillins remain the best drug for non-resistant strains, most commonly nafcillin. Remember, for non-resistant strains, Nafcillin is actually more bactericidal than vancomycin. Staph epidermidis inhabits the skin of normal individuals. It is a common contaminant of blood cultures. Draw from two sites to be sure it's just a contaminant. Its ability to form a biofilm made of polysaccharide scaffolding is what allows it to bind to synthetic materials and commonly infect Foley catheters, IV lines, and indwelling prosthetic materials, such as mechanical heart valves, stents, and prosthetic joint. Staph saprophyticus is second only to E. coli as the leading cause of UTIs in women and girls. It is particularly prevalent in sexually active women. Streptococcus is also a gram-positive coccus, but unlike staph, it does not produce catalase and is found in chains rather than clusters. Strep are usually divided by Lancefield antigen group or by degree of hemolysis on blood agar, either complete, which is beta-hemolytic, partial, which is alpha-hemolytic, or none, which is gamma-hemolytic, also known as non-hemolytic. Strep pyogenes are Lancefield group A strep and are beta-hemolytic. Virulence factors include the following. Protein M, which is antiphagocytic. Streptolysin O and S, which lyse red blood cells and white blood cells. A test for antibodies to streptolysin O, or ASO, tells you if there was a recent strep infection. Another virulence factor is streptokinase which does fibrinolysis through conversion of plasminogen to plasmin. Pyrogenic exotoxins are only found in a few strains of strep and cause scarlet fever. A variety of destructive enzymes are also virulence factors, for example, hyaluronidase, DNAase, and anti-C5A pepsidase. Strep pyogenes can cause disease through direct invasion, toxin release, or delayed antibody response. See Table 5.3. Treat strep pyogenes infections with penicillin. Strep agalactiae is Lansfield Group B strep, or GBS, and is also beta-hemolytic. It lives in the vagina of 25% of women, and it is thus associated with serious infections of the newborn as they traverse the birth canal. Neonatal meningitis, pneumonia, and sepsis are most common. Pregnant women are tested for GBS colonization at 35 to 37 weeks gestation and receive prophylactic penicillin during labor if they test positive. GBS can also cause sepsis in pregnant women, leading to sepsis of the fetus and stillbirth. Patients with coexistent medical complications and older adults are also susceptible to infection. Group B strep infection in the neonate should initially be treated with penicillin G 
and an aminoglycoside. The most common culprits in neonatal meningitis are strep agalactiae, E. coli, and listeria monocytogenes. The viridans group of strep is a heterogeneous group not defined by a single Lansfield antigen, but they are grouped together because they have certain things in common. For example, they are normal inhabitants of the nasopharyngeal and GI tracts and are found especially in saliva. They are alpha-hemolytic. Their incomplete hemolysis turns the blood auger green. Viridans is Latin for green. Think verde, viridans. They also cause the following diseases. Dental caries, especially strep mutans. Subacute bacterial endocarditis after a dental procedure, especially on previously damaged or prosthetic heart valves and brain or abdominal abscesses, especially intermediate and anginosis groups. If these are found in the blood, use CT to assess for abscess. If you see endocarditis in a prosthetic heart valve, think staph epidermidis if it's been fewer than 60 days since the surgery, and think strep viridans if it's been greater than 60 days. Group D strep comprises four species two of which are Enterococci, Enterococcus faecalis and Enterococcus faecium, and two of which are not, which are Streptococcus bovis and Streptococcus equinus. The Enterococci have recently been given their own genus, Enterococcus, but will still be discussed here. Enterococcus faecalis and Enterococcus faecium are normal inhabitants of the bowel and grow well in bile, and they commonly cause infections in hospitalized patients. UTIs, biliary tract infections, subacute bacterial endocarditis, wound infections, and bacteremia or sepsis from IV catheters. These species are resistant to many antibiotics. Beware of vancomycin-resistant enterococcus or VRE. Strep bovis bacteremia is highly associated with colon cancer. If you find it in the blood, check for cancer. Strep pneumoniae has no Lancefield antigen, appears as lancet-shaped cocci in pairs, which are called diplococci, and contains a polysaccharide capsule. These organisms are alpha-hemolytic, but so are the viridans group, so two tests can distinguish between the two. The first is the quelling reaction, which detects the presence of the polysaccharide capsule. The second is optogen sensitivity. Viridans grows in the presence of the chemical optogen, strep pneumoniae does not. Pneumonia in adults is caused by strep pneumo, haemophilus influenza, and legionella. Pneumonia in older adults is commonly caused by strep pneumo, gram-negative rods, and haemophilus influenza. Next, let's talk about pneumonia in adults. It's commonly caused by strep pneumo, haemophilus influenza, and legionella. Pneumonia in older adults is caused by strep pneumo, gram-negative rods, and haemophilus influenza. Strep pneumo is a common cause of both pneumonia and meningitis in adults, except like group B strep in babies, and it is a common cause of otitis media and conjunctivitis in children. Pneumococcal pneumonia presents with sudden chills, fever, chest pain, dyspnea, and a lobar consolidation on chest radiograph. Sputum culture should reveal gram-positive diplococci. Unlike neonatal meningitis, pneumococcal meningitis in adults typically presents with the classic stiff neck. 
the pneumococcal vaccine should be given to immunocompromised patients, older adults with chronic diseases, those with HIV, those with cochlear implants, and those without spleens, or who are functionally asplenic, because asplenic patients cannot protect themselves against encapsulated bugs. Penicillin is still first-line treatment for strep pneumo infections, although intermediate resistance may require high-dose penicillin, and high-level resistance will require other antibiotics. Even with the introduction of the PCV7 and PCV13 vaccines, some strains are still not covered by the vaccine. Next, let's discuss gram-negative cocci. The first thing we'll talk about is Neisseria. Two Neisseria species cause disease in humans. Neisseria meningitidis, which is responsible for meningitis and bacteremia or sepsis, and Neisseria gonorrhea, which causes gonorrhea. Both appear under the microscope as diplococci that look kidney-shaped. Neisseria meningitidis, or meningococcus, has a polysaccharide capsule which protects against phagocytosis. Infants aged 6 months to 2 years are at particular risk for infection due to the time between acquiring protective antibodies from breastfeeding and being able to make their own. Groups living in close quarters, such as army recruits or dorm dwellers, are also at risk. Meningococcus lives in the nasopharynx and causes disease when it invades the bloodstream, causing meningitis or sepsis, called meningococcemia. As the bacteria multiply, they release their endotoxin LPS, causing vascular hemorrhage, seen as a petechial rash, an acute inflammatory response, seen as spiking fever, chills, arthralgia and muscle pain, and hypotension. Adrenal hemorrhage can also occur, known as fulminant meningococcemia or Waterhouse-Friedrichsen syndrome, leading to adrenal insufficiency. More commonly, however, meningococcus causes meningitis. Remember, meningitis in infants may present merely as fever, lethargy, vomiting, or irritability, although older children may have classic stiff neck and Brudzinski and Koenig signs. A presumptive diagnosis may save a life. Confirmation of the diagnosis comes from cultures of blood, CSF, or petechial scrapings grown on Thayer Martin VCN media which only grows Neisseria species. Penicillin G is the treatment of choice, and ceftriaxone is used for penicillin-allergic patients. Give prophylaxis of rifampin, ceftriaxone, or ciprofloxacin to all close contacts and to anyone who came in close contact with the patient's oral secretions, such as the physician who intubated the patient, for example. Remember to be more aggressive with vaccinations in those at risk for serious meningococcus infections. Remember these are asplenic or functionally asplenic patients or those with complement deficiency. Anyone with meningococcemia should later be tested to see if they have a complement deficiency. Up to 20% will. Neisseria gonorrhea or gonococcus causes gonorrhea, the second most common sexually transmitted infection after chlamydia. Specialized pili on the bacterial surface bind to epithelial cells. In men, it causes urethritis, with symptoms of dysuria and urethral discharge, but can extend to epididymitis or prostatitis. Women can also develop urethritis, but more commonly develop endometritis, an infection of the uterus, which is often asymptomatic, but can present with abdominal pain, dyspareunia or painful intercourse, and cervical discharge. 
Endometritis can then progress to salpingitis, which is inflammation of the fallopian tubes, or oophoritis, inflammation of the ovaries, which is now called pelvic inflammatory disease, or PID. This presents with abdominal pain, fever, discharge, irregular bleeding, and cervical motion tenderness. PID is also caused by chlamydia. Complications of PID include tubo-ovarian abscesses, peritonitis, and infection of the liver capsule, called Fitzhugh-Curtis syndrome. Scarring of the fallopian tubes, which can occur especially with repeat infections, can lead to infertility and increases the risk for fallopian ectopic pregnancy. Those who have receptive anal sex from an infected partner can develop a rectal gonococcal infection with symptoms of pruritus, tenesmus, rectal bleeding, and discharge. Those who perform oral sex on an infected partner can develop oropharyngeal gonorrhea. This is in contrast to chlamydia, which cannot cause oral pharyngeal infection. Rarely, gonococcus may invade the bloodstream, causing fever, joint pains, and skin lesions. It is the most common cause of septic arthritis in someone who is sexually active. Examination of synovial fluid may show gram-negative diplococci within white blood cells. If you suspect gonococcal septic arthritis, swab the oral and genital mucosa for culture or nuclear acid amplification testing. Neonates may acquire gonococcus from the birth canal, causing ophthalmia neonatorum, which can cause blindness through corneal damage. Newborns receive erythromycin eye drops to prevent this ophthalmic infection. Diagnosis is by gram stain, which will show gram-negative, kidney-shaped diplococci, and by culture on Thayer-Martin media. Treatment is with IM or IV ceftriaxone. Usually one dose is sufficient unless there is systemic infection. And in the case of sexually transmitted gonorrhea, Add azithromycin or doxycycline to cover chlamydia, which is a common co-infection. Let's talk about other gram-negative cocci. Moraxella catarralis causes about 20% of otitis media and sinusitis in children. It is the third most common cause after strep pneumo and H flu. It also causes pneumonia in older adults and in patients with COPD. Moraxella produces beta-lactamase. Therefore, treat the infection with a beta-lactamase-evading antibiotic, such as amoxicillin clavulanate, also called Augmentin. Kingella causes smoldering endocarditis in children and adults. Remember the acronym HASIC for culture-negative endocarditis because they do not grow on standard culture medium. H for Haemophilus, A for Actinobacillus, C for Cardiobacterium, E for Iconella, K for Kingella. Kingella kingae is also a common cause of osteomyelitis in children younger than 5 years old. Acinetobacter baumannii is a soil bacterium that can colonize the skin, anything wet, even disinfectant, and hospital equipment like ventilators. It causes hospital-acquired infections such as burns and wound infection, urinary catheter UTIs, ventilator-acquired pneumonia, and bacteremia. Acinetobacter infections can be severe and are notoriously difficult to treat because they can resist multiple classes of antibiotics. Next, we'll be discussing gram-positive rods in part two of this chapter. Thanks for listening. With that, we wrap up today's episode of the Crush Step 1 podcast. 
A big thank you to Elsevier Incorporated, the publishing company behind Crush Step One, as well as all of my other books, for allowing us to put out this book in podcast format. Thank you for joining us, and please check out our other chapters.